Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 1. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, 2. Son of man, set thy face unto Jerusalem, and prophesy unto the holy places, and prophesy unto the ground of Israel. In one of the last chapters, the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy against the entire land of Judah. He had Ezekiel face the direction of the land of Judah. Now he's having Ezekiel specifically prophesy against the city of Jerusalem inside of Judah. Ezekiel probably didn't have to turn a whole lot more, but he was still supposed to face that direction. 3. And thou hast said unto the ground of Israel, Thus said Jehovah, Lo, I am against thee, and have brought out my sword from its scabbard, and have cut off from thee righteous and wicked. This means that both righteous people and wicked people will die when the Babylonians come and take over the land. Up to now, the book of Ezekiel has always said that those who are righteous will live and those who are unrighteous will die. But now Ezekiel is specifically speaking to the people in Jerusalem. And we learned both in the book of Jeremiah and in the book of Ezekiel that when the Lord commanded the people to leave Jerusalem and go with the Chaldeans willingly, he said that anyone who stayed in the city would die. So if a righteous person was made to stay in the city, maybe somehow they got locked in there and they couldn't leave in time, then they would die. Because he's going to make sure that the entire town of Jerusalem is destroyed. And this is because of many generations of idol worship and also the idol worship that was going on in the very temple of God by the leaders. 4. Because that I have cut off from the righteous and wicked, therefore go out doth my sword from its scabbard unto all flesh from south to north. He's saying that everybody in the entire city will die if they're there at the wrong time when the Babylonians enter. 5. And known have all flesh that I, Jehovah, have brought out my sword from its scabbard. It doth not turn back any more. This is similar to Jesus in Revelation coming in war with a sword coming out of his mouth. That sword represents his words. In the end times, when Jesus comes in the wrath of the Lord, his very words will kill people. His words are the law, and we die if we don't obey his laws. Now, we can't make ourselves obey his laws by willpower, because our flesh only wants to sin. But by faith, we can die to our own desires, and we can have his life alive in us, and his life in us will give us the grace to resist sin. This destruction of Jerusalem foreshadows the destruction of the entire world during the Great Tribulation. 6. And thou, son of man, sigh with breaking of loins, yea, with bitterness thou dost sigh before their eyes. He's telling Ezekiel to weep and mourn for the dead in front of the people, in anticipation of all of those who are going to die in Jerusalem. Real prophets always weep for the people. They are sad for anyone who would 
face eternal damnation for their sins. The prophets you see today, they don't shed one tear for the sins of the people, because they're not genuine prophets. 7. And it hath come to pass, when they say unto thee, For what art thou sighing, that thou hast said, because of the report, for it is coming, and melted hath every heart, and feeble hath been all hands, and weak is every spirit, and all knees go, waters, lo, it is coming, yea, it hath been, an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. The Lord tells Ezekiel, when people ask you why you're crying, tell them that destruction is coming to Jerusalem, and their hearts will sink, and they will be afraid. It says that their knees will turn to water, so they'll have very weak knees, and they won't be able to stand, because they'll know that the judgment of the Lord is coming. These people who are with Ezekiel in the land of the Chaldeans, They're living in exile, but they still have relatives and loved ones, and their own people are still in Jerusalem. They will feel it very deeply if they know that their people are going to be destroyed. 8. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, 9. Son of man, prophesy, and thou hast said. Thus said Jehovah, say, A sword, a sword is sharpened, and also polished his sword is ready to slay. Secular people read a verse like this and they say that God is a bloodthirsty killer, but they don't read the whole Bible in context. And when you read it in context, you see that the Lord is long-suffering and he waited generations and hundreds of years for them to repent, and they never did. They were the bloodthirsty killers. They were the ones sacrificing their own children and raping young men and women in their pagan temples. He was wiping out a generation of murderers after multiple generations had done the same thing. 10. So as to slaughter a slaughter, it is sharpened, so as to have brightness it is polished, desire hath rejoiced, and scepter of my son, it is despising every tree. This, I believe, is another verse referring to the one and only Son of God, who is Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It says that his son's scepter will rejoice when Jerusalem is destroyed. This is a temporary destruction. He's going to save a remnant of people and rebuild Jerusalem again later with people who worship him instead of false idols. It says that the sword is despising every tree. The trees are the oaks that the Israelites would worship when they were worshiping the pagan gods. Oak trees are considered sacred in paganism. 11. And he giveth it for polishing, for laying hold of by the hand. It is sharpened, the sword, and polished, to give it into the hand of a slayer. The slayer would be an angel of God, and the sword that is polished for the angel, is being polished by God. And this had been said earlier in the Bible. When the Babylonians come in war, they will also come with angels of the Lord. The Babylonians were doing the Lord's will by attacking Jerusalem to punish it for its sins. 12. Cry and howl, son of man, for it hath been among my people. It is among all the princes of Israel. Cast unto the sword have been my people, therefore strike on thy thigh.
the Lord is telling Ezekiel to cry loudly for the people that will die. He also says, strike on your thigh. Striking the thigh or slapping your hands together is a gesture of war. Ezekiel is to do this so that the people will know that the Lord is waging war against Jerusalem. 13. Because it is a trier, and what if even the scepter it is despising? It shall not be an affirmation of the Lord Jehovah. When the Lord refers to the scepter, he means the scepter of the king of Judah. He's saying that his sword will attack the king of Jerusalem. This says that his sword will not despise the scepter of Jerusalem. And I believe that's because King Zedekiah lived. He was not killed, although Zedekiah was captured and blinded and then taken as a prisoner to Babylon for the rest of his life. And this shows that the Lord honors the lineage of the tribe of Judah, which is the royal lineage. And Jesus Christ descended from that lineage. 14. And thou, son of man, prophesy, and smite hand on hand, and bent is the sword a third time, the sword of the wounded, it is the sword of the wounded, the great one, that is entering the inner chamber to them. The inner chamber is the sanctuary of the temple, and when the Babylonians came a third time, they entered right into the temple of God and destroyed even the sanctuary where the Ark of the Covenant had been. The Ark of the Covenant is never mentioned during this time because Jeremiah had already hid it, and to this day it's still hidden in the rocks under Jerusalem. That's what the books of Maccabees tell us. If the Babylonians had taken it, then the Bible would have told us that they took it, but they never found it. But they did destroy the sanctuary that it was in. 15. To melt the heart and to multiply the ruins, by all their gates I have set the point of a sword. Ah, it is made for brightness, wrapped up for slaughter. He says that Jerusalem will be in ruins, and he again talks about this sword. The sword is his wrath. It's a metaphorical image of his wrath against the city. A sword shines brightly in the light because of the turning of the sword. So that's why he keeps mentioning the brightness. 16. Take possession of the right. Place thyself at the left, whither thy face is appointed. 17. And I also, I smite my hand on my hand, and have caused my fury to rest. I, Jehovah, have spoken. The Lord himself is going to clap his hands, like he told Ezekiel to do. So the Lord is very eager to destroy this city. It's because he's killing the people who have been bloodthirsty for generations and generations. The Lord tells Ezekiel to stand on the Lord's right side, on the side of Jesus, the Lord's son. This is also a spiritual imagery. It means that Ezekiel will defend what the Lord is doing. 18. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, 19. And thou, son of man, appoint for thee two ways, for the coming in of the sword of the king of Babylon. From one land they come forth, both of them, and a station prepare thou, at the top of the way of the city prepare it. 20. 
and away a point for the coming of the sword unto Rabbath of the sons of Ammon, and to Judah in Jerusalem, the fenced. When Nebuchadnezzar approaches Judah, he will come at a crossroads, and he won't be sure which way to go, north or south. And his two options will be go unto this area where the Ammonites live and enter that way, or go a different direction straight to the land of Judah and go to Jerusalem. Evidently, Nebuchadnezzar will be indecisive and not sure exactly what he wants to do. And the Lord is going to have Ezekiel make a gesture that foreshadows that Nebuchadnezzar will choose to go to Jerusalem and destroy it. The Lord manipulated Nebuchadnezzar's mind and made him go to Jerusalem because the Lord wanted Jerusalem destroyed. 21. For stood hath the king of Babylon at the head of the way, at the top of the two ways, to use divination. He hath moved lightly with the arrows. He hath asked at the teraphim. He hath looked on the liver. Just as any pagan would, Nebuchadnezzar uses witchcraft to make his decision. He uses divination. And even today, people who use divination use the organs of animals. They'll cut the animal or they'll cut the organ in half. And I don't know if one half has more blood or whatever then that's supposed to be the way to go. He's also going to shake his arrows, kind of like looking for the short straw, and he's also going to look at the teraphim, which is a type of idol, and he's going to get his answer that way. But in reality, all these false gods are non-existent. They're only demons. And the real one and only God, he's going to manipulate these divinations so that Nebuchadnezzar will go to Jerusalem. 22. At his right hath been the divination, Jerusalem, to place battering rams, to open the mouth with slaughter, to lift up a voice with shouting, to place battering rams against the gates, to pour out a mount, to build a fortification. What's being described here is the siege mounts that were set up around Jerusalem. If a town is well fortified and has big, tall walls like Jerusalem did, you can't just run straight in there. So you create a siege so that nobody can leave and nobody can get any supplies into the city. And then you just wait for people to starve to death or get so desperate that they wave the white flag and welcome you in to conquer them. Not only are the siege ramps blocking the city, but they're also showing the people in the city that they can enter in whenever they want to. But instead of entering in, which is a lot of exertion, they're just going to wait for the people to starve and get weak first, and then they'll enter in when the people have no way of fighting. 23. And it hath been to them as a false divination in their eyes, who have sworn oaths to them, and he is causing iniquity to be remembered, to be caught. Previously, Zedekiah had sworn an oath to Babylon. Babylon considered him a puppet king who would serve them and be submissive to them, but he violated those oaths. That's why Nebuchadnezzar was angry with him. It could be that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't sure if he should go to Jerusalem because he wasn't sure if he could win since the Israelites had a long history of winning all of their battles, even against great armies. 
and that's probably why he used divination to decide. But the Lord had decided way beforehand that he was going to use Babylon to conquer Jerusalem. 24. Therefore, thus said the Lord Jehovah, because of your causing your iniquity to be remembered, in your transgressions being revealed, for your sins being seen, in all your doings, because of your being remembered, by the hand ye are caught. The Lord remembers the sins of Jerusalem. He's caught them like in a snare, but that snare is the warring army of Babylon. 25. And thou, wounded, wicked one, prince of Israel, whose day hath come, in the time of the iniquity of the end. He is speaking to the wicked king Zedekiah. 26. Thus said the Lord Jehovah, Turn aside the mitre, and bear away the crown. This, not this, the low make high, and the high make low. The Lord can turn a king into a pauper, and turn a poor person into a king. And he is now going to turn King Zedekiah into a poor prisoner of Babylon. He's telling Zedekiah to turn over his crown and his mitre, which are symbols of royal authority. He's taking Zedekiah's authority away. 27. An overturn. I make it. Also this hath not been till the coming of him whose is the judgment, and I have given it. This him is the Son of God, it's Jesus Christ, and he says the kingship of Judah is going to be overturned until he, with a capital H, comes, and it is given to him. This him is Jesus Christ, and he says it three times, which means this is set in stone. 28. And thou, son of man, prophesy, and thou hast said, Thus said the Lord Jehovah concerning the sons of Ammon, and concerning their reproach, and thou hast said, A sword, a sword, open for slaughter, polished to the utmost for brightness. When the king of Babylon decided to attack Jerusalem instead of the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonites rejoiced and made fun of Jerusalem. They were cousins to the Israelites, but they were thoroughly pagan cousins. They never had practiced the law of the Lord, and they hated their Israelite cousins because they knew that the Israelites had received the inheritance of God. So when they saw Babylon coming to destroy Jerusalem, they were happy. But the Lord is going to turn on them, and he says, You also will be destroyed because you rejoiced over the death of my people. You know what it comes down to is God is holy and God is God. He has every right to punish his children. And he has every right to punish those who rejoice over their punishment. And that's because he's perfect and he created us. 29. In the seeing for thee of a vain thing, in the divining for thee of a lie, to put thee on the necks of the wounded of the wicked, whose day hath come in the time of the iniquity of the end. 30. Turn it back to its scabbard in the place where thou wast produced, in the land of thy birth, I do judge thee. The Lord says that he is going to judge the Ammonites in their homeland where they were born. The Ammonites were born out of fear. Their father was Lot, and Lot never trusted the Lord to take care of his needs. He made many decisions that were all based on fear. Lot didn't trust the Lord to give him enough land for his sheep. 
so he chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked to the world for protection, and that did not work out. Sodom and Gomorrah was a terrible place for Lot to live. And then Lot didn't trust the Lord when he left Sodom and Gomorrah, and he lived in fear in a cave. And because of that, his daughters became fearful that they would never get married because they were living in seclusion. So they got Lot drunk, and they had sex with their own father. And that was how the Ammonites and the Moabites were born. They were born through incest committed by fear. So the Ammonites and the Moabites became pagans. 31. And I have poured on thee mine indignation with fire of my wrath. I blow against thee and have given thee into the hand of brutish men, artificers of destruction. The Lord is going to allow the Ammonites to be destroyed, not only for their own hundreds of years of unbroken paganism, but also because they rejoiced over the destruction of the Israelites, their cousins. 32. To the fire thou art for fuel, thy blood is in the midst of the land. Thou art not remembered, for I, Jehovah, have spoken. The Ammonites will be wiped out because of their sins. And that concludes Ezekiel chapter 21.